Well, it is Memorial Day weekend, and we have people yet traveling again. And uh, But I'm glad you're here. Hallelujah. Good to see you this morning. Praise God. You know, this weekend we are celebrating what we call Memorial Day. And uh, if you don't know, the beginning of Memorial Day began uh, at the end of the Civil War. Uh, it began as in 1866, May the 5th, to honor those that gave their lives in the Civil War. And uh, so that's been a long time, hasn't it? Uh, after World War One, <clears throat> they changed it a little bit. They changed the date to the last Monday of the month of May. And uh, they said we wanted to begin to honor those who gave their lives in any, any wars at all. And so this weekend, we, uh, we, we choose not to forget. Amen? As a nation, we choose not to forget the sacrifice and the, uh, of, of lives and to protect the freedom of our nation and to, to uh, come against tyranny and evil, all things like that. And uh, so I just I want to take a moment that uh, if, if you're here this morning, and you served in our military in some way, some aspect. Um, could you stand up? I just want to honor you today. Anybody? Greg, I know you did. Wayman. Anybody else? Minier. Yes. Minier is actually, he's currently, aren't you, buddy? You still doing those weekends? Okay, he's in the reserves, and so, uh, but we, uh, we honor those women, uh, many years of service. Uh, I know you're in your 80s now, so it's been many, many years of service. <laughs> but uh, I want to say thank you, and um, I, I just want to take a moment and pray, because I know there are families today, as we talk about Memorial Day, uh, they have lost someone, maybe recently last number of years or whatever. And, and uh, days like this, they, they uh, it brings a lot of memories back to the person that they loved and that lived and died. And I'd like to just take a moment, if we could, to stand in honor. And I'd like to take a moment and pray for the families that uh, maybe you're here today and whether it was someone in your close family or extended family that gave their life in some manner, we remember them today. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, as we take time to remember, God, throughout your word, there is something very important about remembering. And we see the evidence of it again and again and again where you encourage us to take a moment and to remember. So, Father, we take a moment this morning and we remember those that gave their, the greatest sacrifice their life. They laid their life down for a brother, for a sister. They laid their lives down. And, Father, we pray today that as families may be thinking upon these things, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would bring comfort and bring encouragement, God, and bring peace within their hearts. That their lives were not in vain. And we as a nation, we as a church today, we choose to remember. We will not forget. We will not forget, Father. 
So we give you praise today. Amen. All right. Be seated. <clears throat> Back in the late 90s, <clears throat> the newscaster, Tom Brokaw, wrote a book. Some of you may have read his book called The Greatest Generation. It was a bestseller. And uh, I've read portions of the book, but it's an amazing book. And it's basically a book to remember the generation that uh, lived during World War II and the sacrifice they made and, uh, and the type of lives they were. Because he, he called it the greatest generation. He firmly believes that that generation is the greatest generation that's ever lived in the history of America because of the things they faced and the things that they sacrificed and the character of their lives and the values of their life. And in this book, he wrote this. He said, when freedom and democracy were in peril, an entire generation answered the call. Our grandfathers and grandmothers put aside their hopes and dreams to save the world less than a lifetime ago. And they still refuse to be called heroes. He said that this generation really molded the generations that we that came after. He said it was because of the values that he recognized. He, he went and, and he interviewed countless people, hundreds of people. And he said he saw this, this thing running through all of their lives that lived during that time where the, they participated in the service of our armed services or they were at home making the sacrifices that were needed. Everybody was involved in some capacity in some way. And he said that these values were the things that he saw was personal responsibility was so strong in that generation of taking personal responsibility for things that need to be done. Duty, honor, and faith, he said, were were the values that marked that generation that was within that generation. I think we can learn a lot from that by remembering, by understanding why he termed this the greatest generation. Uh, I believe today God is wanting to pull out greatness within all of our lives. Now that's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around sometimes because we see it, when we talk about greatness in our own lives, we see it sometimes wrapped in the package of pride, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Because greatness, true greatness, is wrapped in humility. But I believe that there is something that is coming forth, that's calling forth out of heaven today. That God is wanting to draw greatness out of lives that are living for Him today. You know, Allison, God is wanting to draw greatness out of you, honey. Amen. Andy, God is wanting to draw greatness, honey, out of you. He's working in your life. He's doing amazing things to draw greatness out of your life. Jerry, God's drawing greatness out of you, my friend. I've seen greatness in you. I've seen how you've handled situations of life that were not easy. And uh, I, I see the seeds of greatness within you, my friend. It's in all of our lives. 
That God is doing something in drawing greatness out of us. That our lives would be lives that would not be forgotten. The this title of this message is Living an Unforgettable Life. Is that possible? God has called us to be light and salt in this earth. The thing about salt, you remember saltiness. I still re- I remember I was on a mission trip into Mexico one time. Uh, we had taken a bunch of youth into Mexico, and then we were doing. We had gone up into the mountains of Mexico and had done a, like a retreat type thing, and it was living you know in little cabins and things like that. We had breakfast, and I noticed the cook was cooking, and she was she was putting a little bit of salt in the eggs, and the lid fell off of the salt. I mean, it just poured into the eggs. You know, and I guess she just thought that if she just spread it around, nobody would notice. You know, that morning, it was like eating salt from the ocean, eating eggs from the ocean. It was so salty. I still remember the saltiness of that breakfast. Still in my taste buds, it's still there. The saltiness of that morning of those eggs, trying to honor them by eating what was put before us. But it was so salty. Well, our lives are to be that extreme because of what God has put in our lives. He has put put Himself in our lives, hasn't He? He has placed Himself in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And there is no reason why greatness should not come out of our lives. Sometimes we think about greatness and we think about that we've got, we've got to do something extraordinary. We've got to do something that will, that will shake the nations. And I just want to encourage you this morning. The greatness within you is there to touch one person. One person. I found this on the internet the other day and it, and it really grabbed hold of me and just shook my heart when I read this. It was an open letter from a, from a woman. She doesn't give her name. But she writes this. The title of her open letter was this. <laughs> to the woman behind me in the line at the grocery store. That was the title of her open letter. To the woman behind me in the line at the grocery store. I want you to listen as I read this. She said this. Dear woman behind me in line at the grocery store. You don't know me. You have no clue what my life has been like since October 1st, 2013. You have no clue that my family has gone through the ringer. You have no clue that we faced unbelievable hardship. You have no clue we have been humiliated, humbled, and destitute. You have no clue. I have cried more days than not that I fight against bitterness, taking control of my heart. And you have no clue that my husband's pride was shattered. You also have no clue my kids had the worries of an adult on their shoulders You have no clue their innocence was snatched from them for no good reason. You know none of this. What you do know is I tried to buy my kids some food. And that the EBT machine was down so I couldn't buy the food. I didn't have any cash or my debit card. only had my, call it a snap card. All you heard was me saying, no, don't hold it for me. My kids are hungry now. And I have no other way for paying for this. You didn't judge me. You didn't snarl, well, maybe you should have less kids. 
You didn't say, well, get a job and learn to support yourself. You didn't look away in embarrassment or shame for me. You didn't make any assumption at all. What you did was that you paid $17.38 grocery bill for us. You gave my kids You gave my kids bananas and yogurt, apple juice, cheese sticks, and a peach iced tea for me, a rare treat and splurge. You let me hug you and promise through my tears that I will pay this forward. I will pay someone's grocery bill for them. So that $17.38 may, may have not been a lot for you, but it was priceless to us. In the car, my kids couldn't stop gushing about you, our angel in disguise, they prayed for you. They prayed that you would be blessed. One simple and small action changed our lives. You probably have forgotten about us by now, but we haven't forgotten about you. You will forever be a part of us, even though we don't know your name. That powerful. One small act. One small act that will never leave the memory of that family. Never leave the memory of that family. Our actions don't need to be huge. But they need to be there. How many times have we seen situations and we've just, we've diverted our eyes or we've felt like, well, who am I to intervene or who am I to say something or who am I to help or who am I to offer something because I'm afraid it will be turned down or I'm afraid that I will be rejected or I'm afraid I don't want to hear that. We all have faced those moments and times. But yet God has said that I've put my love in you so that you may prove to be my disciples and how you love one another. Every week we have opportunities, don't we? Every week we have opportunities that our life will be unforgettable. We all sit here this morning, and if I tell you to think of one person that has made an impact in your life, that's unforgettable in your mind, every one of us can think of at least one person probably that made some sort of sacrifice, that made a meaningful contribution into our life, that loved us when we didn't feel that we should be loved, that blessed us, that reached out to us, prayed for us, was kind to us, when we felt like all we, all we should have had was judgment, but yet they showed us mercy. God is wanting to use you in amazing ways. Amazing ways. You know, it's, it's, in the New Testament, there are two times... God notes two individuals that He says, you will never be forgotten. You will always be remembered for what you have done. Now, when we think about that, we think, well, surely that's probably someone like Peter or John or Paul, someone that did, took the gospel all over the world, did amazing things. But you know, it's not them at all even though what they have done will always be remembered. 
will never be forgotten. But it's noted in Scripture two places where it says that what you have done is a memorial to me. First one is in Mark chapter 14, verse 3 through 9. It's a story, if you remember, of a young woman named Mary. And Mary came in the presence of Jesus and she brought the most priceless thing she had, which was a jar, an alabaster jar. And she broke it. And when she broke it, she anointed Jesus with the oil, this costly oil. How I many you know her actions was ridiculed? Her actions were rejected, were made fun of. How I many you know sometimes that when we reach out and we, read, when we are used by God, we'll not always be praised. Many times our actions will be questioned, sometimes ridiculed, even sometimes rejected or not appreciated at all. But someone is noticing. Someone is noticing. It says this in Mark chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus says this, Assuredly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Jesus basically said, you will not be forgotten. What you have done has become unforgettable. I'm sure there are things that you have done in your life so far in serving God that is unforgettable in some people's minds. You may not even know it. You may have no idea. It may be a person that you don't even know. But you went out of your way in, a, in, a, in an act of kindness and did something for them. Just like the, the letter I read from this woman. But you will be remembered. You will be remembered. What God does not want is to make us, is for us to think that my life is little, insignificant, nothing. Nothing I will do will ever be remembered. Because God says that I have placed my spirit within you to do extraordinary things. Even in the smallest way. It's extraordinary to someone. It's extraordinary to some family or somebody. It is. The second person that God notes in the Bible wasn't even a Jew. Wasn't even a part of Israel. He was probably the least likely person that God said that what you have done will always be a memorial before me. And it was, it was a Roman centurion. And the book of Acts, chapter 10, tells us the story of a man named Cornelius. Now, think about it, because this was the invading army into Israel, the occupying army that had, had basically had uh, made Israel their captives or whatever, not, not appreciated, not loved, you know. But it was this man that God chose to release His Holy Spirit through so that we sit here today. Because it was through this man that the Holy Spirit was released for the Gentiles, which that's who we are. That we were not a part of Israel, we were not Jewish by birth, whatever, we're Gentiles. And it's because of the life of this one man, a Roman centurion, that didn't even know God, but 
he wanted to know God. And he did things through what he gave and did things by what he prayed. And he made a difference. And he made such a difference that we can look back and we can give our thanks to Cornelius that we sit here today. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, it says about the ninth hour of the day, he saw, he saw clearly in a vision an angel coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. When he had observed him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms or your giving have come up for a memorial before God. God says you will not be forgotten for what you have done. As a result of it, Peter comes to his house. We know the story. God comes to Peter in a vision and say, basically tells him, don't reject. You know, we know it is a, is a vision about food, animals, what to eat, what not to eat. God says, I've called it clean. And it was, it was, a, it was a prophetic picture that the Gentiles were not unclean. God says they're clean. And uh, Peter goes, shares the gospel. And before he even gets an opportunity to ask him if they want to get saved, they're baptized by the Holy Spirit. And from that day, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the Gentiles. And from that, the home of Cornelius, his entire household gets saved. And from that moment, from the, the household of Cornelius, the gospel spread throughout the world, reaching the Gentiles beyond Israel. Amazing, amazing of this man. You know, one man that I would think about that that would have talked about him not being forgotten is Paul. And in a lot of ways, it's true. Paul lived an extraordinary life. And, and he left behind the books he wrote to the churches that we have in our Bible today in the New Testament. Wrote most of the New Testament, we know. And... Uh, because of that, we remember the Apostle Paul. We remember the life. He lived an unforgettable life. Which is an example to us. But there was a young man in the life of Paul named Timothy. In 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he, he, he begins his letter by saying to Timothy that, one, you're my beloved son. Another time, a true son in the faith. So there was a strong relationship between Paul and Timothy. Timothy accompanied Paul on a lot of his travels, we know, as we read through the Gospels. And, uh, and uh, many times when Paul wanted to send someone to represent him, to do something for him, he would send this young man named Timothy. Now, Timothy, we know, was young, but yet, God was using them in powerful ways. When Paul writes the letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, uh, it was between, historians say it was between his first and second imprisonment in Rome, somewhere in between. Now, we know that the second book of Timothy was written while Paul was in prison. That second time was very near death. He knew that his days were numbered from the things that he said. And in these two letters, we find extraordinary scriptures from Paul and instructing Timothy and encouraging Timothy that Timothy, that, 
the things that, that you have heard from me, the things that you have received from me, continue these things on, basically is what he's saying here. He says, I want you to live your life in such a way that what you say and do will never be forgotten. And as you read through 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you come across this again and again and again, basically saying, Timothy, your life is important and how you live your life is important and you have been called to greatness and you have been called to live an unforgettable life. And he writes this out in so many different ways here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, he writes this, but you must be you must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. He's saying, listen, the things that you have learned, the things that you've heard from me, the things that you've seen in my life as I've walked it out, as I've lived out the gospel, as I have in humility walked this walk out, he says, he says, I want you to continue in those things that you have learned and been assured of. He says, I want you to remember, Timothy. I want you to remember. Well, the question is, when he says, I want you to continue in the things, well, what things is he talking about? Because if it was important to Timothy, if Paul laying out here something so important about living, how to live an unforgettable life, maybe it's important for us too. Maybe it's something that we need to take into our life. And as I was reading through this, in the last week or so, I came across a passage that if you, if you have your Bible, we'll have it up on the screen. It's out of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in verse 11, I don't think it's on the screen, but verse 11 says, These things command and teach. So we're getting ready to understand, we're getting ready to see here as we finish out this morning. So you can take these things home with you. These things, what are these things? And these things are contained in verses 12 through 16. And he starts out and he says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Wow, that alone could be one sermon. Easily. Right, Rifle? <laughs> you could put a Harley Davidson in that one somehow. All right? But he starts out because he understands Timothy. He was, he was very timid or very aware of his youthfulness. Probably was reminded of that by the people that he had called to lead and to serve that were probably much older than him. That he was just a young man. What do you know? And so he was battling with this. He was battling with what was on the inside of him, what he was able to offer. Because several times in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul brings mention to that. And here he says to Timothy, says, these things are the things, Timothy, that are important to know that you're going to live an unforgettable life. He says, one, don't despise your youth. Because God doesn't. How many of you know there is something in all of our lives that can be despised. We're too young. We're too old. We don't know enough. Haven't been to school. Haven't been to seminary. Maybe it's that I don't have the experience that I need for this area. 
to do what I need to do. I don't have the money. I don't have the abilities. I don't. There's always something, it seems like, that we many times will come up as an objection to what God tells us to do. And we say, in our mind, God, I can't do that because of this. And what we're doing, we're despising the very thing, the very person that God says, I want to use you. Maybe it's, God, I don't know all the answers. How many times have we said that? God, I don't know everything. What if, I, what if they ask me a question and I don't know what to say and I look foolish and I can't help them or whatever? Paul tells Timothy, don't despise the very person that you are. I want to encourage you today. There is something in all of us that we despise. Because we have listened to other people, sadly. That we despise. Most of everything I've ever done in the ministry are things I had never, I did not know how to do. I'd never been trained, didn't know how to do it. It was just like, God, I'm stepping out. I, I'm, I'm either going to be a tremendous failure, which at times I was, or God, somehow you're going to take this and do something with it, which He did that also. When I think about this not despising, I, I, my thought goes back, and I've probably shared this before of a, of a woman that had, and she's an unforgettable person in my in my mind, in my heart, in my life. And many people would say, "What do you have to give to this person?" She was just a mom. She was just a housewife. She was getting on in age, and uh, she didn't have a lot to give. Didn't have a lot to do. But what she did was that every Sunday she opened up her home to young men and women. Every Sunday she fed us. <laughs> she opened up her home to young people and to college students, and we would pack in there. We would have 20 or 30 young people in her home every Sunday because she loved us. And she believed in us. And she listened to us. And she encouraged us. And she she fed us the best fried chicken I ever had. What was amazing, Cindy and I saw it many times. We would sit there with one fried chicken. Now, you can divide up a chicken only so many different ways, okay? And you only have so many parts that you can... But when you have 20 or 30 people around a table with one chicken, somebody is not going to get a drumstick or a wing or something. And we would sit there and pass this plate of fried chicken, everybody would have pieces of fried chicken. Before our eyes, God would multiply that little old chicken. It was amazing. The thing about Joanne, we all called her Muggsy. The thing about Joanne, what we didn't know, was here after after lunch, she would she would just disappear. We just thought that she would just was, you know, wanting us to be with each other, you know, and maybe she thought, well, I'm too old to kind of be with all these young people. What we didn't know was that she had gone upstairs, and for the next three or four or five hours, however longer, she would be on her knees praying for us. Every Sunday, what she could do 
was to feed us, to make us feel special, and pray for us. Many times she would come down from that, we called her her prayer room, and she would be literally glowing with the presence of God. I can go back and think today of all the people that came out to our home and how many of those people are in ministry today, being used by God today, living unforgettable lives today because of one little old lady named Muggsy that loved the generation that was underneath her and she gave herself into that generation. Nothing extraordinary in a lot of, if you measure it in a lot of ways, but it was extraordinary. It really was. So let me encourage you this morning, do not despise where you're at or who you are. Because God does it. And God says, inside of you is greatness. Because I live on the inside of you. And I want to I use you and move through you and do extraordinary things in the lives of people. It tells Timothy, be an example, Timothy. Be an unforgettable, unforgettable example in what you say, in how you live, how you love, how you follow the Spirit, and in your faith, what you believe, and in your purity of how people see your life. If we could just take that and just reflect upon that today and say, God, how am I doing in that area? How am I doing, Father? As an example, as an unforgettable example, Lord, it needs to be in what I say, it needs to be in what I do, and how I love, and how I follow the Holy Spirit, and how I believe, and how I live out my life before others. In verse 13, he goes on, and he says, he says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine or teaching. He's saying, listen, what you give your life to, what you give your attention to, matters. It matters in your life, what you give your attention to. How many of you know that there is a lot of competition for our attention in life? A lot of competition of just entertainment, things, friends, whatever. Those things are not bad. But if that's what we give all of our attention to, when God says, I have placed within you the seeds of greatness, the seeds to be unforgettable in your life, to change a nation, to change a generation, to leave a legacy that will always be remembered in some way, then it is wrong. And he says, Timothy, give attention to these things, to your reading, what you read, to the exhortation that comes to you, and to doctrine or to teaching. We have 24 hours every day. And it matters what we do with that time. It matters how we give our lives. I want to tell you, we have an extraordinary, I want to tell you, an extraordinary opportunity every Tuesday night at the School of Ministry. The things that we are learning, right, Shockey? The things that we're learning, Melissa, others, out of that teaching, using the Supernatural School of Ministry out of Bethel, is extraordinary. And I believe that as we give ourselves to the instruction, exhortation, the teaching, 
I believe that God is setting us up. He's positioning us here in Richmond to do unforgettable things, to do extraordinary things. Let me ask you today, are you giving attention to your reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine? He goes on in verse 14, he says, don't neglect the gift that's in you, Timothy. He has to remind Timothy several times, first here in 1 Timothy and again in 2 Timothy, when he tells Timothy to stir up the gift of God. You've let fear enter in and it's paralyzed your gift. And then he, he writes this unforgettable line when he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. All of us know that. But in verse 14 he says, Do not neglect the gift that's within you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying hands of, of the eldership. There are gifts in every one of you. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's gifts within you. We have no excuse. We have no excuse to it. But you know, just like with Timothy, battle with fear. Something wants to come and to still or to paralyze the gift that's within you if you'll let it. I want to tell you, your gift is needed. Your gift is needed in somebody's life. And you never know who that somebody's going to be. But your gift is needed. Whether it's a gift of mercy, whether it's a gift of giving, whether it's a prophetic gift, whether it's a healing gift, whether whatever gift it is that we find in the Word of God, your gift is needed and has been placed in you by God with all the wisdom of God, all the wisdom of the Godhead. He has put within you extraordinary things to be used by Him as you listen to His voice and obey His voice and to move forward in life. We need to be asking, many of us, maybe we're not sure what His gift is. You know, we, 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 have, we have all sorts of things that we do through our Sunday school, through many things, through the school of ministry, that will help you to identify your gift. To help you to be able to know exactly what God has gifted you for. I want to tell you that you don't have one. You have several gifts within you. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, listen, I'm going to bring a gift in at that point of need, that point of time, that gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge, whatever, discernment of spirit, whatever it is, I'm going to bring in that point. Just as Timothy struggled in this, I think many times we all struggle in this, to not neglect the gift that's within us. Feeling like sometimes, because sometimes we step out and our gift is not appreciated. How many of you have experienced that wonderful moment? <laughs> it's not appreciated. And, we, and it shuts us down just shuts us down for some reason. That little moment of rejection shuts us down. God wants to, God wants to infuse His grace within you. Because we, what I'm talking about here this morning is not what you can do in your own strength. I hope you know that. That is by the empowerment of God and by His grace that we do any of these things. And He goes on, as I end here, and He says in verse 15 and 16, Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. I like that. Give yourself entirely 
to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself or watch over yourself and to the teaching, the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who will hear you. That you will walk out your salvation and you will walk into the lives of others with the gospel. And it will change her life. I wrote this down. I was just writing some things down here. Said, I said, we not only embrace and believe upon the gospel, but we must live out the gospel so that others will also believe. Your history is to be a seed sown that will be carried in the lives of others. Your history, your legacy will be a seed sown that will be carried in the lives of others. I just want to leave you with this one thing. As you live an unforgettable life, be a history maker. Be a history maker. In 2 Timothy, Paul leaves Timothy these words. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Leave a legacy, Timothy. Be unforgettable, Timothy. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. You know, how many people have you come across because of the words that have been spoken among people who are in church? That the striving over those words has left them a taste of saying, I don't want that. I don't want that. To the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the challenge this morning on this Memorial Day weekend. A weekend that we say as a nation we will not forget. May the same thing be said about our lives. I will not forget Ronnie. I will not forget Trevor. I will not forget Jessica. Your lives are extraordinary. Your lives are extraordinary. There was a man that had, a, had an unbelievable effect on my life. I, I'm, I'm here today because of what this young man sowed into my life. He's gone on with the Lord. He died at an early age. But in the years that he lived, he packed in more than most people do in two lifetimes. And his total passion was to help people find their destiny, to encourage them, to, to let them know that they're extraordinary and there's greatness within them. And this man believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. This man was amazing and, and uh, he, was, he really was my best friend. Cindy and I, their families were very close to us, and they were our best friends. And I would talk with Bill every week. And we would laugh together, and we would cry together, and he would just, he would just exhort the mess out of me and reprove me. And why are you thinking that, Doug? You shouldn't be thinking that. You're better than that. God has great things for your life. Don't give up. 
Don't stop. Don't be discouraged. And he did that for thousands of people. God used him to go into other nations and raise up Bible schools. And I was a part of his Bible school. And God used him in extraordinary ways. And at the early age of 52, 52 he passed away. Very suddenly. No one expected it. And uh, it just crushed us. And uh, I went to his memorial service. And it was. It was a service to be remembered. Thousands of people there stuffed into this church. And for the next two to three hours, people would get up and they would testify how this man changed their lives. How they have written books now that they never would dare to have tried before. How they started businesses that they never thought they could ever do. How they how they entered into the ministry because of the teaching and the life of this one man named Bill Godwin. It was it was amazing. It was amazing that he was a history maker not only the way he lived, but even after his death, his books today are still being read by people of learning how to discover your destiny, knowing the dream that God has for you. The funny thing about that that memorial service, Cindy, I don't remember why that you couldn't go. I don't know if it was one of the reasons of the kids or whatever. But I had a young lady that came with me. She used to be a part of this church, was involved in campus ministry, University of Richmond. And uh, her name was Michelle Nara, Michelle Stuchel today. Dark-headed, pretty, pretty young lady. She went with me because Billy had a profound in, impact upon her life too. So we went together. What was funny during the memorial service is that people from far off thought it was Cindy and I. And as they got closer to the expression on their face, when they realized it was not Cindy, that I was here with, a, with another woman trying to figure out what in the world was going on. So we, we, had, we had a lot of fun with that one. You know. But his life, Billy chose, after he was born again, after college, strung out on LSD, thought he was losing his mind, Everybody said he was losing his mind, that, that, uh, that the drugs had fried his brain. He would never be used by God. He was an extraordinary person. Memorized most of the Bible. Amazing. Amazing. I want to live an unforgettable life. I hope you do too. I hope you do too. I hope you'll take the things that Paul spoke to Timothy. And you'll take those home with you and you'll read through that passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. You'll read through that passage over and over and over again and say, God, these things will I begin to live out. These things will I begin to live out. Let's stand up, okay? Thank you, Father. Father, we just take a moment right now. I just want to ask you, just between you and the Lord right now, if you feel like that what you have been living is less than what God wants you to live, just right now say, God, forgive me. Father, please forgive me. That what I have been living, Father, has not been unforgettable. God, I would rather forget it. 
Father, I come before you right now and I dedicate myself, God. I give myself wholly, entirely, God, to the things that we are talking about this morning. God, I dedicate myself to be a history maker. I dedicate myself to live an unforgettable life. By your grace and by your empowerment and by your love, God, I will, Father, affect lives. I will leave a legacy of my life and my faith, even if it's with one person. Because, God, you don't measure it within the number of people. God, you measure it by the willingness of our heart. We, was, we, we step beyond the obstacles that are before us, God, and we, we, will we live a life that will bring glory to you, God, live a life in obedience to you, Father. If that's what's in your heart today, just say amen. Father, we say, so be it. So be it, Lord. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our time together, Lord. God, I pray that as we go tomorrow and this holiday, that, that uh, you will surround us with your safety. But God, I pray that whether we're around friends or family, God, that we would be unforgettable in the way that we care, love, serve, live our lives before them, Father. Help us, Lord God, by your grace. Amen. Amen. Y'all, thank y'all so much for being here today. God bless.